Welcome to the latest episode of Five on the Floor and the Five Reasons Sports Network. Thanks for joining us on your favorite podcast app. We're on Podbean, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts. We're also on Dash Radio on their Nothing But Net channel every single weeknight at 7 p.m. Also, check out Five Reasons YouTube. Make sure you hit the like and subscribe buttons. Get Donald Daly every single day. On Monday at 8 o'clock, we're going to have a special fundraiser for the Jack Nicholas uh, Children's Hospital, basically uh, in response to what Eric Spolstra has been going through with his family. We want to make sure that we get donations to worthy children. And so what we're going to do here is give all the proceeds from the super chat there on the channel to that charity. So make sure you check it out eight o'clock on five reasons, YouTube. Also check out five sports.com. Make sure you spell that one out and check out the great sponsors, of the five reasons sports network. You still can get in on prize picks. Even when the NBA season NHL season's not going, you can play MLB NFL futures and everything else. Use the code 5FIVE at prizepicks.com or download it from the Google Play Store or the App Store. And also 25% off all of your premium CD with our CBD with our other code 5RSN. That's the number 5RSN at therapistpreferred.com. That's therapistpreferred.com. 25% off with the code 5RSN. And now, today's episode. Down to this day. Yeah. Uh, five on the floor, ride for my dogs. Where is the thing? You can check the score. Hustle hard, couple scars, wearing bubble frogs. Just like Buckley said, you in trouble, y'all. Kept the floor playing, got an all band. Y'all seen the block, stop the one hand. And Pat, we trust, it's power, have the guts. We're here to bring the heat. Y'all can hang it up. Welcome to Five on the Floor, a daily insider show on the Miami Heat and the NBA featuring Ethan Skolnick, Greg Sylvander, and Alex Toledo, plus others from the Five Reasons Sports Network. All right, Ethan Skolnick back on Five on the Floor. Here's today's floor plan. We got everybody here for a Sunday episode, which we're probably going to drop a little bit sooner than usual because we know it's been a while. Greg Sylvander, you can follow him at Greg Sylvander. Alex Toledo, you can follow him at Tropical Blanket and Brady Hawk at Brady Hawk 305. And so what we're going to do today is kind of a follow-up to the episode that we did about would it be the worst thing for the Heat to run it back? And what I'm going to do today is kind of lay out for you where the organization stands at this point, because I did a little digging over the weekend, got some information. Um, I don't know that these are aggregatable reports or anything like that. It's just kind of giving you an overview of where they are And some of it is going to counter a little bit of what I said on the last episode, because the last episode was heard and not that they had huge problems with what I said, but there were some distinctions in terms of the way that I went about things. So I'm going to start here. I know Greg has been filled in on all this info that we're going to discuss about, so he he can't act too surprised, but maybe Brady and Alex will. And we're going to focus on, on really all of it, but I'm going to, I'm going to give you (coughs) the, 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 the major point here. I said on the last episode, that the Heat may be forced to run it back because they don't want to run it back. And what I meant by that was if they had wanted to flip, say, Duncan Robinson in a first-round pick and get a power forward right now and basically take themselves out because they need every pick they can if they're going to be in the running for Durant and Mitchell, take themselves out of it, they could, okay? They could make a move like that, and that would pretty much be it. And this delay... um, you know, waiting for Durant or Mitchell to kind of force their way out of a place or the Jazz or Nets to be reasonable about their expectations. Because I was told again this weekend that the Nets want the largest package in history in exchange for Kevin Durant, okay? And so the teams are all just kind of in a standstill because that's not going to happen, okay? 
if they wanted to make a move like that, they could. And so my point was, again, that they may be forced to ultimately run it back because they may not be able to make a move like that later on, potentially, because you don't know who's going to be available. And so basically by waiting during this period of time, they may end up running it back with a slightly worse team, at least on paper. The way that it was rephrased to me is this. The Miami Heat like their team. They don't have a problem, quote unquote, running it back with this team. They wanted to keep P.J. Tucker. He was their number one priority in free agency. Nobody else. When I've spoken to people inside the organization, they said, we kept looking at that free agent list and we kept looking at it like it was going to somehow get better. <laughs> it didn't get better. And so we basically made a decision. We we're going to try to keep P.J. Tucker. They didn't. They wanted to. He decided to leave in part because they didn't want to hamstring themselves by being hard capped by giving him that third year. What he ended up ultimately making wasn't that much different, okay, than than what he uh, than than what he would have gotten with Miami. So they didn't want to put themselves into that position, but he was their priority, okay. And as I've said here on the podcast prior, PJ Tucker has gotten the second largest package of any player to change teams so far this offseason because DeAndre Ayton didn't end up changing teams. It's Jalen Brunson and it's PJ Tucker. And so that's what they wanted to do, bring back P.J. Tucker and then kind of see what, what was going to happen. Now, of course, a lot of things have changed. Kevin Durant asked for trade. We know that. Donovan Mitchell's status became a little bit more tenuous in Utah, although he still has not forced his way out anywhere, even after the Rudy Gobert trade. The Rudy Gobert trade happened, but as it was put to me, the difference between what the Nets are looking for and what Minnesota got is Minnesota didn't give up any core players. So essentially, Minnesota, yes, they traded a lot of their future with all those draft picks, and it seems like a crazy haul, but they kept Anthony Edwards. They kept Carl Anthony Towns. They kept D'Angelo Russell. They, they even kept, I mean, they even kept uh, McDaniels, okay, the young forward. They kept everything. That's not what the Nets are looking for. The Nets are looking for picks and a haul, but also you're going to have to move players, significant players. And so it came back to me in this sense. When you traded uh, previously, like for Shaq, okay, in 2004, you traded Lamar Odom and Karan Butler, who were arguably your second and third best players or second and third most promising players, but you didn't trade your best, right? You were, and you, you still had Udonis Haslam. You still had Eddie Jones. You still had guys that you could put around that group. The problem with trading for Kevin Durant right now, and I'll get back to my original point here, is that Essentially, trading for Kevin Durant leaves you with not a whole lot except Kevin Durant and maybe, what, Jimmy Butler? And what? If you have to include Bam. And some of these other teams are faced with the same thing. If you have to include a Scotty Barnes, if you have to include a Brandon Ingram, okay, what are you actually left with? Because the Nets want all of it. They want picks because they were not planning on this, right? The Nets didn't go into this offseason planning to trade, certainly not KD, maybe Kyrie, but certainly not KD. So this is kind of off the cuff. So when I've asked, okay, what do the Nets want to be in? And people in the league aren't sure, except that they want everything. Because even if they get players, they'll flip those players potentially for more picks if they're not going to try to stay competitive. Okay, so cycling back to all of this. The Miami Heat like their team. That's the way it was put to me. They are prepared to play differently if they have to. And that means maybe they don't end up getting a starting power forward, although I still think there's a strong chance of that, okay? But maybe it is more minutes for Caleb Martin. And maybe it is more minutes for Omar Yurtsevin. Or maybe it's Jimmy Butler more at the four and you get more of the shooters and the scorers on the floor with him. But I can tell you a couple of different things. One, the Miami Heat are going to tilt towards offense. 
they recognize that we've said this before in the pod, but I got it clarified for me even more. They recognize they couldn't score at the end of the season. They're going to get more scorers on the floor, even if they're scorers who are already on the roster. Paging Victor Oladipo. Paging ways to get guys out there together. I think that if this team comes back virtually intact, the major, major, major push in training camp is going to be figuring out a way to get Oladipo, Butler, Hero, Lowry, all on the floor in some way together. Spacing maybe be damned, but we'll see how that goes. But I was told again, they like their team. But when a generational player becomes available, you listen. There are three different stages, okay, of deals, all right? Done, dead, or live. The Miami Heat are live for Kevin Durant and Donovan Mitchell. They're live. It's not done, and it's not dead. So people who are waiting for us to kind of give them more information, they are waiting on those teams to basically move. It was described to me as a big game of chicken that the Heat are involved in with others. They're going to take calls. And here's the reason they're going to take calls and they're going to continue to explore this, okay? Pat Riley has never walked into anybody's office at 601 Biscayne and said, I love our team, don't do anything. Never. Not in 25 years. Not with a big three, not with any other team. When a generational player becomes available, you are going to explore it. And so to sum up, before I go to Greg on this, where they're at is essentially waiting it could be a wait until the start of the season. It could be a take this team into the start of the season and then deal with it towards the trade deadline. But they are prepared to go into the season with this team that they like with nominal changes from here and give opportunities to some of the guys that haven't gotten opportunities before, maybe in this particular role. They like Caleb Martin a lot. They looked at the free agent list and they decided we don't like anybody else more than him for that particular contract slot. That's why they paid him. That's why they brought him back. They think he can fill a PJ Tucker role. Not all the time. There are some in the organization who think that Omer playing next to Bam is something that should be seriously explored. I have a guess about who one of those people may be. Okay. There are people in the organization who think that they should play bigger. Eric Spolscher also, though, is someone who knows how to play smaller. And so there may be ways to get, say, Jimmy Butler at the four, and get, say, Vic and, and, uh, and Lowry and Hero and others together out there, Gabe. Here's the other thing I wanted to say, because Tyler Hero is going to come up in this podcast. And I, there's more I'm forgetting here. And, Greg, I'm sure if you go back through our text string, you'll find it. With Tyler Hero, they are kind of caught in between in a lot of different ways. And Tyler is caught in between. They like Tyler a lot. Okay? They want to extend him. Extending him takes them out of con- out of these negotiations for guys like you know Durant and and Mitchell, so they're caught in between that way. I've been told there is no set contract figure right now. I know that's been reported in some places. They're close. It's not. We know what the general area is going to be in the four one hundred to one ten range, but I was told there's no. It's not set as of, as of this point. But when I talked about okay what are the issues with tyler is it is it the contract is it the possibility of a trade is it the starting or not starting i was told the starting or not starting is not an issue that tyler heroes here he's going to be the likely starter at the two guard spot which is what he wants okay and that means victor oladipo is likely going to be your sixth man 
with Gabe Vincent and others, Max Struess potentially. And you're looking at Max or Duncan, you know, in that spot, if at sort of a backup small forward, if Duncan is still here. But as far as Tyler goes, here's the other reason he's in the middle and why his name kind of gets thrown in all the time. Teams don't ask for your best player unless he asks out. Okay. So nobody's in there asking for Jimmy Butler right now. Just like nobody asked for Dwayne Wade for years. They ask for your second or third best player, right? The one they think they can get. So Tyler is always going to be in that conversation while he's here. And the Heat are, you know, they're, they're cognizant of the fact that this is going to be a distraction. If this team goes into the season like this, that especially when you're talking about a national name like Durant and the national media, but the way that was put to me was players tend to be more understanding if they're being thrown into a conversation for a generational player, than if they're being discussed in a bunch of lateral moves every single day. But the difference between this and the Harden situation is, and we've reported this many times, the Heat came out and denied the Harden thing, yes, to protect their players. This was before the previous season with Houston, but also because Houston didn't want what Miami was offering. Like those reports were off, okay? They didn't really want what they were offering. And James Harden is not Kevin Durant. That's the other part. But here's the biggest thing, okay? I was told, yes, we're Kevin Durant. We're live. We will always be live, <laughs> Okay. So the Heat are not going to come out and say publicly, we're not in conversations for Kevin Durant. And and I've told you that on this podcast. I've said, we have not heard that from Miami. In fact, they've been relatively open about their interests because they're not going to treat you like you're stupid, okay? They're in the conversation for Kevin Durant. But they also think there's a chance that Kevin Durant could be taken into the season by the Brooklyn Nets or that thing could be patched up. They don't have control over the marriage between and or the divorce between the Nets and Kevin Durant because nobody was expecting this. So anyway, I'm sure I've missed some stuff, but I just the key point here is that they say at least that they are comfortable taking this team into the season and they always were comfortable with it. And something else could emerge prior to the trading deadline or maybe prior to the season. They're not desperate to change their team. But are they going to look at a top five player in the NBA who's been a top five player in his era? Yes, because Pat Riley's in charge and because they're not stupid. That's basically where it's at. Greg. Okay, so first off, let's initially acknowledge that Ethan is in his bag and back on his game, rejuvenated. I don't know if this is like, you know, like Dwayne when when he had those final moments down the stretch of his career. Not that you're at the end of your career or anything, but and he just was pulling out all the stops. Ethan is in that mode right now with the beginning of these podcasts. So let's first acknowledge that. Thank you. You set the table with a lot of information. Uh, Something you didn't mention that I thought was really great in terms of um, a direct quote that came from uh, your, your source close to the organization that I thought was really cool and bear with me as I find it. It's really important. Um, It was. People ask, who's your second or your third guy? Sometimes it's it's uncomfortable. We feel like we we got five. You guys always say five on the floor, right? We can find five. I think that that's an interesting approach in terms of that. 
they're kind of looking at this as positionless as ever right now. And that I would mention, I would uh, venture to guess Caleb Martin slots in right now at the four, as you look at the, at, at, at what they have right now, they're really lucky that it's Kevin Durant and not lesser players that were out there because he's right. She's right. Whoever that source is, is right. Like if it's a lesser known player, you would have guys get up in their feelings. Kevin Durant, people understand why they're involved in those kind of talks. I think that the season as it goes on, if there's any losing that gets involved, that does change things. Playing differently really intrigues me. I'm interested to see if Yurt gets some extended minutes next to Bam. If Jimmy at the four, as he starts to age, do they start to gear him toward that position as maybe where he ends up at the in the latter stages of his career? Obviously, he's been playing, what, a third of his minutes there uh, the last three years. So let's see where that goes, right? Um, so they're, they're saying all the right things, but ultimately, I don't know. Yeah, they can go a month. They can go through Christmas. They can maybe even get to February, but they can't get through this whole season with this situation up in the front court. So ultimately that's going to have to get addressed. I see why they wouldn't use an asset now while the Kevin Durant stuff is live, as they mentioned. Um, I like to hear that it's live, um, but I, I just think that it's a situation where he fans are going to need to be patient because this may end up where they don't solve that front court situation until the Durant stuff is resolved. And it may take into training camp. So let's get into it from that perspective, Alex. Um, if they take this team into training camp, we have talked about the teams that we believe have passed them. Okay. Somewhat during this off season, Boston, Milwaukee, uh, you know, potentially Philadelphia, which I know you don't want to mention. If they take this team into training camp, what they're basically saying is, look, when we traded for Shaq, we didn't know that Udonis Haslam could be a starting power forward. And then he became our starting power forward for the better part of a decade. So I guess if, if there are people inside the organization who really like Caleb Martin at the four or really like Omer, okay, and they still have Deadman there as protection, but I, I think it's more about elevating and developing Omer at this stage. I mean, are, are you comfortable with that? Well, I, I agree with what Leif was saying there in terms of like, I think they have. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Have enough to go into the early part of the season, midseason. I mean, perhaps the whole season. It's just not, I think, the best option if you're actually trying to compete with the best teams in the Eastern Conference. Like, they might still be able to, you know, um, have good games against those teams. But when you're just talking about matchups, size advantages, the Heat go back to being really small, right? Even if because um, look, the thing is now, I said on the last podcast, they have a hole at the four. And uh, you mentioned that they might not be desperate to make a trade for four. And completely understandable at this point, because you don't want to throw in any of those assets that you're potentially going to throw on the table for uh, Durant. But the, the thing to, with me is like, I guess they're going to try to see in training camp who is most deserving of getting playing time between Jovic, between Haywood Highsmith, 
obviously Caleb is going to be in there. He's kind of the, the guaranteed one. We just don't know if he's going to be starting or not. But uh, those guys, they obviously picked up Darius Days on a two-way contract, immediately promoted him over their other summer league guys. So maybe they have some interest in him. And um, just in general, obviously, Jimmy is a four. They're probably not going to run that out too much, I think, until the playoffs. But if the roster, as it stands now, like stays this way, Jimmy might have to play some four during the season. It just depends on who's in and out. But they do have a good amount of guys in the room now, right? I think none of them are people who fans are very, very comfortable with as starting power forwards. But between Jovic, Highsmith, Caleb, you know, Darius Days, and even Omer, who I'm not expecting much because I just don't think it's in Spoh's blood. <laughs> but um, I'm not expecting much Omer and Bam minutes together. I'm expecting him more as like a backup five type of thing. But if that's something that they throw out there, like that would be fun to see if he could actually be an actual stretch big for you. So they have options to get through the season with. But I just think it makes like hearing that type of messaging probably makes fans uncomfortable. It's like it's so it's Durant or nothing. I mean, I think so. I mean, to a certain degree. I mean, I, look, can they pivot and make a move with a pick with Duncan? Duncan kept getting mentioned to me as a potential member of the rotation. But, I mean, we know, obviously, that that's the contract that would have to be moved for power forward. And we know there's duplication there with Struess, particularly if what we're going to talk about in the second part of this podcast ends up happening, which is that Tyler Hero gets moved to the starting lineup. Then, then you're talking about, you know, Depot and, and Gabe as your backup backcourt. And then you have one slot. I mean, you have one slot, you know, for a shooter with the two of them and it's going to be max or it's going to be Duncan. And that's the way it's going to go. Then you add a big, I mean, that's essentially, that's your rotation. Uh, so Brady, I'll go to you on this. Um, I want to, I want to devote a longer episode to what they would look like with Omer as a starter in the front court, what they would look like with Caleb as a starter in the front court. Don't give me that look great. What they would look like as, I don't know, a high Smith. I think there's duplication there with obviously with Caleb, uh, or what they would look like with just Jimmy Butler playing a ton of four, okay, which I think is another direction that they could go, which is opposite of the direction that the guy who wants to play two bigs would go, but it might be the direction that Eric Spolster would go because that is the direction he tends to go. Um, but I just just give me give me a quick a quick synopsis here. I mean, I, if if they were just plug and play, say Omer, Caleb, Highsmith, one of these guys in the starting lineup, how concerned would you be? Well, I think going one on one for one, the first one with Caleb Martin, uh, we talked all season last year. He was kind of the, the filler for Jimmy. He wasn't the guy next to Jimmy. He was the filler behind him. Uh, the other reason for that was the lineups with Jimmy, Caleb, and Bam were not really that good at times. And maybe that was because there was a, a net extra creator, which ties into our next uh, kind of segment with Tyler. Maybe that bridges the gap, but I'm still not confident uh, in that fully. If you look at the lineup, Lowry, Hero, Butler, Martin, Bam, this past season, they only played 17 minutes together. And trust me, once again, this is a very small sample size, but a 65 offensive rating and 105 defensive rating, like a very bad sample size right there. Uh, but I think they just do too many of the, of the same things. There's you bridge some of the things defensively. You could switch out on the perimeter, but just as a whole, I don't know if you're as confident. The Butler, Caleb, Bam, three-man pairing at 121 minutes long. There was 102 offensive rating and 111 defensive rating. Still just, I think ideally you want Caleb behind him. He could be the filler in a starting lineup when Jimmy's out, as we saw this past season. Uh, but that's kind of where that stands, I think, right now. The Yurtsevin thing, I've been saying, I think if Yurtsevin's on the roster and he's not that sweetener in a deal, I think he's 100% the backup big on this team and he's getting rotation minutes. Uh, when you start talking about him next to band and playing bigger, uh, my thing is that this past season for Yurtsevin, he was playing a lot in a role like Deadman. And if he's going to play 
next to Bam, he has to be more in a role like Myers Leonard. Like that's the difference maker here. If you're talking about playing next to Bam, if you're talking about a guy, uh, he was shooting some threes in summer league, but when he was utilized uh, during the regular season, those slots, which he was really good in those parts of the season, he wasn't a, a pick and pop guy that was stretching out to above the break too much. He was a guy that was playing inside kind of like Deadman was at that time. Uh, so for it to work with Bam, that's going to be necessary. You'd have to have him be able to stretch from above the break uh, and really trust that. Uh, and then talking about the Jimmy at the four stuff, uh, it was interesting because you keep mentioning leading offense over defense. And even if you think back to when they just drafted Jovich and I asked about him defensively and it felt like they were basically saying in the draft, they were leading offense over defense. Uh, the only way you can lean offense on this team is for one, this is the same roster, just minus PJ. So it's not really like you're changing anything and leaning offense, but the way you, I guess you lean offense is you change lineups around. Uh, and the way to lean offense lineup wise is Jimmy Butler at the four. Like that's the one way you do it. Uh, I feel like the most, even though it's kind of wild to say you want to put Jimmy at the four, but most realistic way to do it uh, is leaning full offense and maybe going to a lineup like Kyle, Tyler, Shrews, Butler, and Bam. And that lineup actually, another very small sample size was like 19 minutes, but it had 129 offensive rating and a 62 defensive rating, which is not going to last <laughs> over, over a long period of time. But you can just see, what can be utilized? I know uh, people are worried about Jimmy at the four for a long pocket of time. I'll just say that I'm not worried about that. Like that is not something that's on my mind that I'd be worried about. For one, Miami is a switching team. There's switch all over the place anyway. Jimmy guards fours on a regular basis when he's playing the three. Like that's the way these things work that just kind of putting that like it's just going to happen one-on-one. -on -one. Like it's just one guy guarding one guy. This team doubles, they move around. Like that stuff is just not a worry. Uh, but overall, I think, the question becomes, how do you manage it? I think the Yurtsum and Caleb slots just slotting into a starting lineup can be really choppy. Uh, and if it is true, the point you keep making about leaning offense over defense, I think the most realistic thing, like I just said, is just going full offense. And that leads into the Tyler thing that we're going to discuss, but that's what opens these things up. If you're not worried about defensively, uh, and the last thing I'll say is, if you are leaning offense and you go that way, there's a lot of topics going constantly around about Bam and what he could be offensively and pushing him forward. Those the conversations are not viable next season at that point, if this is what he's dealing with, like he's going to have a lot on his plate defensively to make up for if you're leaning offense that if you're having the conversation after games that he needs to be doing this, that yes, he's your franchise player. Yes. He's on a max contract, but he's going to have a lot on his plate defensively. And I think he can do it, but the question becomes, can he do that along with, making a major leap offensively. I think that'll be the question with the way they kind of move forward. All right. We're going to get into this in more depth in future episodes. I do want to do a quick uh, hit here on Tyler. Cause that's kind of the other, the other major topic that we were, we were going to get into today. So we're going to hold some of that stuff. We will go through all of it um, this week in terms of what they would look like with these various guys at the four. And we'll let, we'll let others weigh in on that as well. Before we do, we do want to tell you, Another great sponsor of the Five Reasons Sports Network, our friends over at Water Cleanup. Are you a South Florida property owner with an insurance claim dealing with water mold or fire damage? You got to reach out to Michael, Robert, and the rest of his team. They're at Water Cleanup of Florida. That's watercleanupflorida.com. Or you can call Michael on his cell phone at 954 579 0356. That's 954 579 0356. More than 60 years of combined experience. Michael Robert and the team prepared to handle any size disaster. Third generation contractors in South Florida. They want to maintain their sterling reputation. I've told you before about how they didn't take a job that they didn't think they can do. I think that's as important as the job that they actually do do, which is a great job. So reach out to Water Cleanup of Florida, 
954-579-0356. All right, let's get back to it, guys. Uh, Tyler Hero. And, and I think you understand what I'm saying. He, he's, he's basically good enough for teams to ask for him, but not good enough yet for the Heat to completely pull him off the table. So he's in limbo that way. He's in limbo a little bit with the contract because they can't give him the contract and then have the flexibility to go after some of these whales. And then he was in a little bit of limbo with the starting situation. Um, so I'll go to you, Alex. I, I'm confident he's going to be a starter. I, I just, I think I, he comes back. I think he's going to be a starter. So what do they look like? Because their lineups with him <laughs> were, were not real good, right? So, so how do they make that look better? Well, I think a lot of those lineups, if you're trying to be optimistic about Tyler starting um, just outside of, you know, that data specifically included a lot of P.J. Tucker, right? Because that was kind of the presumed closing five uh, for most of the season until it wasn't when we, when we got the actual uh, context in the playoffs with guys being in and out, guys being hurt, et cetera. Um, just in general, I think there's a lot of upside with that lineup because uh, I, I think Tyler can give you a different look and different types of offense there where you don't got to rely on uh, guys who aren't necessarily good at getting their own shots to spring open and then using your best players to funnel it to them. And, and because we know that that's how they um, generate their, their spacing, right. Is through the, the shooters that are not necessarily their best players. And I think Tyler is kind of, you know, more of a dynamic player where he can come off some of those same sets and do different things. And although it hasn't been, great yet if they're going to go smaller go more offense i definitely see upside there i could absolutely see why they're going to just pivot and go that way if they remain with the same roster it makes a lot of sense because you can't really stick to that same identity i think as they had last year where even though they could still be a very good defensive team still switch a lot of things i think it's uh they probably oh i don't know i might be wrong about this but they might I'm, I'm expecting them to not make it their base defense when it comes to switching everything the way it was last time. Maybe they're not going to drop everything either. You know how Spo uh, can get really creative. It might be a zone year again. Uh, it's never just one thing, but I'm expecting them to be a good defensive team again and for them to try to experiment a little bit to try to go into the, you know, the upper echelons of the league. And I think a lot of fans might be skeptical at that happening, but I just think if you're giving Jimmy a lot more spacing, Bam a lot more spacing, I think it's going to be easier for them. Kyle works perfectly in that type of, um, I think, situation. And, you know, all these guys have uh, run these types of things before. I don't know. I think there's a lot of upside there offensively with Tyler, even though I'm not 100% sure he's going to be the starter. I still kind of expect it to be a training camp competition. Maybe that's naive of me. But I, I do believe that that's how they, they operate when it comes to these things. Doesn't it, Brady, in some ways um... – it changes the bench, obviously taking the sixth man of the year off the bench. They needed his scoring last year, but I actually think in some ways it kind of evens the roster somewhat, uh, particularly if you're going for an offensive tilt. But I, I feel like if you're going to play Vic and Gabe together, I, I, I think that's good. Like I, I, I feel like defensively, the two of them, we know they get after it. They both can handle, they both can play off the ball a little bit. Obviously with, with Vic, that has to be a little bit more of a work in progress with this particular group. But then you put a spacer out there in Struce, right? Potentially, you know, a guy who we can see can guard up a little bit because he's physical. I don't feel that's that's the worst thing here, right? I, my, my concern is really more Tyler getting his looks in the starting lineup than it is what the bench would look like. Yeah, and especially if you're bringing back the same team, sometimes like a different look like this 
to can change things. Like it just, it gives you a different look at, as a whole and maybe makes things work a little bit differently. Uh, the bench, I have no worries about. Like, I think the bench should actually be pretty solid. Like you said, the Gabe Depot lineups were actually really good. Uh, something else I mentioned was a very random combination that worked, no matter if it was end of games, games where the guys were sitting out. Gabe Vincent and Omer Yurtsman pick and roll just always just was so dominant for some reason that Gabe just always found him. Uh, and there was always those type of plays that worked. So having them off the bench as well. Uh, and let's just say for the odd reason, you go for the starting lineup with Max in the starting lineup and Jimmy at the four, you throw Caleb in that mix. And now you have a three absolutely really good defenders of, in Gabe, Depot, and Caleb. Uh, and that's a pretty good starting point. But like you said, I think the big worry in general is just more of the Tyler thing. Uh, the question becomes, uh, Zach Lowe put a nice piece out on, on Tyler recently. And it's something he mentioned a lot was about the off-ball stuff, about that being the next uh, kind of evolution of him is kind of realizing what he can do off the ball when it's the balls in the hands of Jimmy or something along those lines. And that becomes much more crucial when he's in the starting lineup. Like there has to be times, you mentioned the, the Kyle, Tyler, Depot, Jimmy, Bam line, which just sounds... Uh, very awkward on paper, it, it sounds like, like just when you kind of say it. Uh, but Tyler would have to learn, I guess, how to be utilized a little bit differently and just kind of not have the ball in his hands and be thrown off different curls and pin downs and stuff like that. And maybe it can be unlocked. Uh, I was looking at some of the numbers with the Tyler Hero Jimmy Bam lineup had a 94 offensive rating and a 98 defensive rating this season. Like it was just a very awkward line, just number in general. We talked about that. Uh, in the playoffs, though, it was seen for 25 minutes because guys were constantly in and out, and it was 142 offensive rating and 104 defensive rating. So, like, we saw a little bit of a turnaround, uh, and I know some of the earlier series kind of let, fed into that and when things were rolling with Tyler and Bam specifically. Uh, but it's going to be interesting to see how it's utilized. I think Tyler's the piece that if he is back, changes everything because I'm fully there that I think Tyler's 100% the starter. Uh, I know Pat said that he'll have to earn it in training camp, and I know people keep bringing that up. I just really believe he will earn it. Like, I think he will earn that. And I think Depot off the bench in that six-man role, even though Tyler just proved himself that he can do that and he won six-man of the year, I think that fits Depot really well, just to give him his own lineup, allow him to do things, create his, on his own. We talked a lot about maybe Depot and Jimmy getting in the way of each other at times because it was just trying to fit on the fly. Uh, this gives him some, some time to just be integrated differently uh, and to be utilized. So a lot of this will be on Tyler, just seeing the way uh, – things just go. And I, I also want to say the last thing is sometimes teams get predictable over time. Like sometimes offenses that are run, like when the Duncan DHO was being spanned, teams began to figure it out and they pretty much ended it. You have an offense that's being pretty much running the same similar way, just like with handoffs and, and Jimmy going and bam, pick and rolls and just kind of having that extra shooter at the two, putting Tyler at the two forces you to change your entire offensive game plan from the jump. Like this chain challenges you basically, uh, just change your approach. And I think this is a good thing. I think if they change their approach, this is the way they lean offense. They allow Tyler to do different things and allow him to splurge offensively uh, and just see how it meshes overall. And then you could kind of make your moves at the deadline as it goes. But if they do run back this team, once again, you keep Ethan bringing up this quote that leaning offense over defense, this is pretty much the way you do it. So close, Greg. Let's go to it. And, and our sponsors, again, Prize Picks, use code 5FIVE, Therapist Preferred, use code 5RSN, and then check out Water Cleanup of Florida if you got the schmutz. They got the guts. All right, and take us be... home here because we're, we're gonna, we'll dive into more of this stuff uh, individually. We just wanted to get an episode out here today quickly. Yeah, I think uh, a major takeaway is that the Miami Heat organization is not desperate. 
and they are not as desperate as the fan base to make changes. They understand how close they were. I think that um, they are prepared to wait. They're in a unique circumstance where they have the depth and the interchangeable parts to wait. And I think that that will be to their advantage as these negotiations play out. I don't see Kevin Durant getting a historic call. So I think that they're doing the right thing by just seeing this thing through Tyler hero and such, uh, obviously, like you said, uh, if they're going to wait for anyone for an extension, it would be a player like Kevin Durant. I think that they all probably looked up to KD as they were growing up. So they get it. Um, so ultimately a lot of that makes sense, but where this will just get trickier as we get closer to camp and we have a lot of time to get there is that, you know, winning cures all and losing makes things start to smell funky. So we'll just see how this plays out, but there's plenty of time. And that is the beauty of this. And um, lots of good fresh Intel that we will get to unpack further on the, the next episodes throughout the week. Yeah. And I did uh, mention a lot of this stuff on our off the floor feed over the past couple of days. So if you were subscribed there, I apologize because you already know, but we appreciate you. So thank you very much. It's $3.05 a month and you get a one-week trial and I post it right at the top of Five Reasons Twitter. All right, check out Monday night. We're going to have a whole bunch of people from our network, but also from other networks like Miami Heat Beat. Um, Dos Minuto is going to make an appearance. The coach, Tony Fiorentino, is going to make an appearance. We're going to raise some money uh, for children Whoa. who need it. Yes, the coach is going to make an appearance on Monday night. So uh, so this should be a fun episode. So everybody have a good day, good night, um, and we'll just keep updating as we go. Thank you for listening to The Five on the Floor on the Five Regional Sports Network. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.